What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Summer Gilbert on today's episode. I am so excited to kind of just learn a little bit more about her. And then we have like a special little treat at the end of today's episode. But Summer, I'm just going to pass it off to you. Start wherever you'd like. Okay. Um, Well, I think I'm going to start with my age because I think that's really helpful um, when I've listened to your podcast. So I'm 35. Um, I'll be 36 in uh, December. So I know I'm right at like the beginning stages of being a geriatric in this pregnancy world. So, um, and I've never been pregnant before. So the story I'm going to tell you guys about actually happened this year. Um, So I'll start with uh, some background about me and my husband. So I've been with um, my husband since 2011, so for eight years, and we've been married for three years. Um, We met, I was on a a music tour, and he came to see one of the guys I was opening for, and uh, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh my goodness, I really like this guy, he's so hot, And, uh, and then um, at the next show, all of a sudden I saw him in the audience and then the next show I saw him in the audience. And by the end of the tour, we were already like dating. It was just instant (laughs) for both of us. And, um, so it was cool. It was awesome. And, uh, so I just kind of knew right away we dated for a long time. So five years before we got married, but, um, that was perfect just for us. And, um, he was just starting to become a firefighter paramedic at that time. So he just wanted to get, you know, established and get all that done before we uh, tied the knot. So um, the difference with my story a little bit is um, when I met my husband, he was very clear with me that he didn't want to have kids. And so for me, that was, and I, that's something that I've always wanted so that would just always meant a lot to me. Um, but I loved him so much that I, I, you know, it was just a hard decision. I was like, do I leave him so I find someone to have kids with? Or do I stay with him and just sacrifice that? Because I have an awesome man in my life. And I decided, you know what? He is more important to me than that. And who knows what will happen down the line. Um, so we kind of just we weren't really, I never really talked to him about it. I never bugged him about it. And we kind of just went on and we both have nieces and nephews. So we're surrounded by family. So it wasn't a big deal for us. And we have our, um, hundred pound silver lab. So he's kind of like our baby, which is great. And, um, so I didn't really feel like I was missing anything. I wasn't having, um, baby fever and, uh, my ovaries weren't like needing a baby. So, um, I actually ended up being okay with it. So I'm like, okay, well maybe we'll just be that couple that, um, doesn't have a kid. So fast forward to, um, after we got married, probably about six months after my husband, he said, can I talk to you? And he sits me down and he says, Hey, I have been thinking and I, it's just really hard for me to think that 
I'm going to take away the opportunity for you to be a mom. And I don't want to do that. And I, I didn't want him to do it just because he want, you know, thought I wanted it, you know, it, it's got to be something that he wants too. And, uh, I mean, a kid is a, a big commitment. And, um, so as, happy as I was at the same time, I was kind of like, oh my goodness, like, this is awesome. But I also don't want him to resent me down the line. And we talked about it more and more. And he's like, that's not going to happen. I, I, I've obviously thought about it and things have changed. And my husband has a really tough upbringing. Um, he was like on his own from literally on his own, like working full time in high school, living on his own while he was in high school, just crazy story. So um, for him having uh, a kid, just he, he just never wanted anything, any kid to go through what he did. And it just, he just wanted to focus on himself and me. And he really even didn't want to get married in the beginning before he met me. And so um, just a lot obviously changed as he got older and he just decided, you know what, I, let's do it. I want to do it. Um, so we didn't uh, use protection. We just kind of went with the flow. I didn't go to the doctor and like, I wasn't taking ovulation tests or doing anything like that. I just kind of let it happen. And fast forward to this year, um, I took a pregnancy test in April and it was positive. And it's the first time in my life I've ever been pregnant. So I was 35 and super shocked, crazy shocked. I didn't know what to think. Uh, so I told him and he hugged me and we were excited um, and both nervous and just, you know, all the feels that you go through when, when you find out. Um, and for me, it was like, it was emotional because I just, you know, most of the time, then the husbands are just as excited and, and you know, they really want the baby. And, and I could tell he was excited, but I just wanted it to really be for him too, you know? And, um, so he, he kept telling me that he was in it and, you know, he, he was really excited. So I just kind of trusted that and, uh, um, and just was grateful for him for giving me this opportunity to start a family. Um, so we took a trip to Tulum. Um, I took it really serious. I exercised every day. I ate amazing. Um, and my husband and I are complete opposites. Like he is, um, like type a super organized love schedules. I'm like spontaneous. Um, I'm late usually just like, we're so, we're so opposite, but he was good for me because he was making sure he'd make me good dinners, making sure I was eating right, making sure I had good food to go to work with. And so, um, he was definitely like a huge support. Um, I went to my eight week appointment. I got to hear the heartbeat, which was amazing and just crazy. Just the craziest thing when you, that's when shit gets real, when you're like, oh my gosh, there's a heartbeat inside of me. Um, and I uh, got to see the baby and got pictures. Um, so that just made it even more real and was just more exciting. Um, and then of course I did all the Pinterest designing the room and, and uh, thinking about all the, all the baby names and everything. Um, and then because I'm 35, I could do, I think it's called, I forget what the test is called, but I can uh, get a blood test to find out the sex early. 
So come my 10 week appointment, I go in and um, super excited to be able to take the blood test and find out what it is because we didn't want it to be a surprise. And um, the doctor does the transvaginal ultrasound. And before I was a little nervous and I told her, I'm like, I don't know why, I'm, I'm just a little nervous today. And she's like, well, I'm gonna prove to you that you have nothing to worry about. And of course I look at her face, like everyone says, and I, I see just her face go from smile to serious. And um, she's looking around for a while and she's like, I, I can't find a heartbeat, sweetie. I, I'm super sorry. Um, and I just remember staring at the ceiling, like just like an outer body experience. Like what? Like, I, I just, I guess, uh, like a lot of people, you just, you've heard about miscarriage, but you just don't think about it happening to you. And uh, I was just in shock. Um, and I was by myself at that appointment. And so I sat up and um, their policies to get another doctor in to um to check it out as well and so he came in he looked around he couldn't couldn't find a heartbeat and uh the baby was like i think like a week behind development wise so um measuring about nine weeks and i should have been 10 so uh and it was always a missed miscarriage so my body completely thought i was still pregnant having all the symptoms doing all that um but the baby passed away. So that was uh, one of the most just, I mean, I've been through a lot of crazy stuff in my life and this was just, I, I can't even explain it. And I know I don't have to, everyone that's, that's listening understands. Um, it just was crazy. And then she gave me my options, you know, DNC, wait it out, take the, um, medicine to you know get the miscarriage going um and so i called my husband talked to him about it and we decided to do the dnc which they were able to do the very next day which was awesome i didn't have to walk around with the, with the baby inside me i just wanted it to i just wanted to start fresh right away um so the next day my husband took off of work and we went we have kaiser so we went up to our kaiser facility and um Went to get the DNC. Luckily, my husband was able to come into the room with me. So he sat and held my hand. And the craziest thing is I found out after the fact when I've been listening to your podcast and talking to other people, well, most of the time with DNCs, they um, give you drugs or actually general anesthesia and put you out. For me, they gave me an ibuprofen and like just like a numbing shot. And I was completely sober awake for the whole thing. So I could feel them go inside me, the pressure, the scraping, the vacuum. I could feel all of it. It was horrible. My husband's asking them, what the hell? Can you give her any pain medication? Is there any kind of uh, pain management? Like, what the, what the heck? And the doctor's like, oh, well, she doesn't need it. And of course, the doctor's a man. I'm like, What? Like, how do you know I don't need it? And it was just the, that just sucked. That was probably one of the shittiest experiences ever. And then I could see at the end, because I was awake and sober, I could see the jar where um, the baby was put into, which is just the whole thing was gnarly. And, and thank God my body or my husband was able to um, be there with me holding my hand during the whole thing because... I'll never, never forget that. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, so afterwards I wrote a letter to Kaiser because I realized I read all their paperwork and it said um, to all these different medications and even like before, like this anti-anxiety medication, all these different things like their system they were supposed to ask me. And um, if you're over eight weeks, they do general. There was like all these things and I didn't get any of it. And apparently the doctor that I got is a huge advocate of uh, the whole opioid crisis and um, it like just some pain management anti-doctor. Um, and so he he pretty much didn't. And in my notes, he said that he gave me pain medication. So I had to like literally write a whole report and submit it to Kaiser. Like, Hey, he never gave me pain medication. I was stone cold sober through the whole thing. I wasn't asking for pain medication afterwards. I just wanted something during the procedure. Um, so there was a whole other, um, just shit show on the side with that because I didn't want that to happen to anyone else that was the most horrible experience being awake and and sober and just feeling feeling that that's insane yeah that's uh, like what you would hear in like mexico you know what i mean like oh yeah. i got my surgery in mexico like i'm like oh my god i cannot imagine a doctor not like ibuprofen's not enough <laughs> no insane. no oh my gosh scary and I, so I, um, I did not know what the DNC was. So I didn't, I mean, I went in, I would have like, if I knew more, I probably would have like demanded it or made sure I got something, but my husband and I just kind of went in green, like, okay, well, let's do this. They say it's not going to hurt and you know, yeah, and all I need, but just, just horrible. And even for the fact of like what they're doing, I think just psychologically for the woman, like give her something. You know, yeah. it's just like an emotional um, procedure. So, I mean, I just like cried in, in pain, but also like emotions and just held my husband's hand and um, then came home and uh, had to take a couple of days off of work and uh, just recover, just cramping. And I think that the biggest thing for recovery was just emotions. And I'm definitely the kind of person that... Um, I can get over things really quickly and I, I just see the positive and I, I, um, I don't know. And I, for, with this, I could not shake it. And, um, uh, because my body, because it was a mis miscarriage, my body still thought I was pregnant. Even after the DNC, I did not get a negative pregnancy test till my DNC was in June. And, um, I didn't get my first negative pregnancy test was end of July. So, oh, wow. yeah. And, and my DNC was in the beginning of June, which is crazy. So, um, I, uh, my, and my body was just going through all the, um, hormones and I was like, and I'm not that kind of person, but I was like crazy up and down emotional, like, uh, one day I'd be fine. The next day I would just break down and cry. Um, I'd have to like leave my desk and go to the bathroom really quick and then pull it together. I'm like, what the hell is going on with me? You know, like I understand I went through something gnarly, um, but uh, 
you know, why, why am I not handling this right? But luckily my, my husband was there for me. He, um, was super supportive. Um, he, you know, at first, I mean, he did cry and it was hard for him, but he, he as well was optimistic and he just knew that, um, it's really out of our hands and, uh, whatever's going to happen is going to happen and we'll just try again. So we have been trying. Um, I, again, I should go, but I haven't really gone to the doctor and uh, tested my eggs. I'm not doing ovulation tests. I'm just doing the same thing and just letting it happen naturally again. So uh, the doctor told me there's some really good statistics that after miscarriage, if you get pregnant again in six months, um, the chance of having a successful pregnancy goes up. So I think my six months is December. So uh, we've just been trying still, still lots of negative pregnancy tests, but just staying hopeful and um, hoping, you know, for the best. Um, it's crazy because I always like now when I talk to some of my younger friends um, that are like in their uh, late twenties, early thirties, um, I just say, Hey, maybe consider doing it a little bit earlier, you know, because when you're my age, when you have a miscarriage, it really sets you back time-wise. Like, mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I do have a lot of friends who had, babies in their forties and, uh, right away, no miscarriage. And I mean, it just, you just never know, um, what's going to happen. So, uh, that's kind of where, where we are now. We're just going with the flow and seeing, uh, what happens, what life, life brings us. And, uh, um, I'm, I'm just super thankful that I don't have any problems with fertility and I'm able to get pregnant. So, um, yeah, we're just taking it day by day. Yeah, it's a wild ride. Yeah. Wild ride. Now, if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, so my biggest thing is you are in control of how you, um, how you choose to react to the situation. And I know... Um, and I think this is for when you get pregnant again. Um, I know a lot of women get nervous and um, I mean, cause it just, it almost like ruins it for you when you have a miscarriage. Cause you just don't know what you're just nervous the whole pregnancy. So um, I would say really try and remember, I mean, that quote, like life is 10% um, what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. And that's so true. Like you are in ultimate control of how you decide to um, look at the situation and to really try not to let that, um, this miscarriage bring you down. Cause then that, that wins, you know, and uh, for the baby that you lost, you owe it to that baby just to be positive and and move forward. Um, and, uh, for me, like just, you just got to keep on moving, go just keep your head up, I guess is, is the main, main point. And I, um, I know we hear a lot, like when I listen to your, your podcast, there's just so much, um, sadness around 
miscarriage, which is natural. So um, I am sharing a song with you today, and it's called Keep On Moving. And my perspective was um, kind of someone um, that loves you, talking to you um, after you've had a miscarriage and just pretty much telling you, hey, keep on moving. Life is good. Um, so this is more of a positive healing song rather than a sad love song to the miscarriage. It was crazy when I was writing. I just didn't know obviously sad feelings and sad, sad lyrics were coming out. And I was like, no, that's, that's not me. Like, I want to take a look at this and turn it around. Um, and so that's that. And so the song that you're going to play at the end is called Keep On Moving, and uh, that one. And it's actually a song that I wrote and started years ago, and um, it's crazy. Now the meaning of it is completely different because of what I went through, and now it's like I dedicated this song to miscarriage. So um, I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. And uh, music has always been super healing. So if this can help someone move on and stay positive, then, um, you know, I, I did my part and I'm, I'm super stoked. Oh, I'm so excited to hear it. Um, so if somebody like wants to listen to it after this episode, where can they find it? So I am on iTunes. I have three albums on iTunes. Um, if you look up, Summer Watson on iTunes, you'll find one. And then another one is Summer Grace Watson. So like I was telling you earlier, um, there is a British opera singer named Summer Watson. So I had to um, put my middle name in, uh, in my title down the line just because so people wouldn't get me confused. So my first album is under Summer Watson. So if you look me up on iTunes, you'll see um, a British opera singer, and then you'll see me, which is different. And mine's more um, singer, songwriter, folk um, type music. And so uh, I have three albums there. And then I also have, um, and you can listen to the music for free if you go to summergracewatson.com. And uh, that would be probably the main spot. Awesome. And if somebody wants to reach out, where's the best way to do so? I would say um, I don't have personal social media, but I do have my little business. So I um, have a business called Hermosa Collars, and I make premium dog collars and leashes with cute designs. Um, it's just a fun little side business of mine. Um, I just always have too much stuff like with music. I only do music. So I do CDs and then I have this idea for a caller. So I, I do that. And I also work full time, teach yoga. Um, um, so my <laughs> husband is like, you need to just chill. But, oh my uh, God. I'm the same way. <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah, so you can get a hold of me uh, either on my music website or my uh, Instagram, which is just at Hermosa Callers. And uh, it's just filled with dogs and my silver lab it's pretty cute it's pretty <laughs> cute guys <laughs> so uh, yeah either one so on my uh, website or my instagram awesome and i will link both of those in the description of this episode and then thank you so much we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna play your song cool thanks for having me
much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.